my doctors told me from here on out not to expect much. Uh, they told me um, I should be dead um, and um, I shouldn't be running. But um, I said, fuck it, you know, that's not who I am. And so uh, I just, I'm here to prove them wrong. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to the launch of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. I'm honored to have Kelly Baton Duel, affectionately known as KBD, as my first guest on the show. KBD truly embodies the warrior spirit, is a complete and total badass, and is someone I'm proud to call friend. About six months ago, on a training run with her good friend Angela from the Clay Loop tribe, Kelly was training for London at the time, Angela noticed her breathing was a bit off and sounded labored and suggested she get to the doctor for a checkup. An evening later, she went to the ER and was admitted to the hospital with a pretty severe case of pneumonia. Sometime within the next day or so, they realized that she needed a better care facility and she was transferred by ambulance to a different hospital. She's clearly in the fight of her life at this point, you know, wondering what is going on and if she's going to be okay. And it was clearly a touch and go situation. And this story is how she leaned on her family her close friends, and the people who love her the most to try to find a way to battle back and get herself back on her feet and get herself out of the hospital. I'm really proud of our conversation. I absolutely loved it, and I think you will too. So let's dive right in with Kelly Baton Duel, and let's hear her story together. Good morning, Kelly. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Hey, good morning, Ron. So excited to have you on as my first guest. I am really excited to be here. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on. Oh, you got a great story to tell. Oh, thanks. <laughs> look forward to uh, getting into it kind of from beginning, middle to end. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to telling it. Wonderful. So for the people out there listening today, Kelly Baton Duel is joining us today. She's known as KBD affectionately in the run community and by her friends and family. And I just thought maybe we'd start first with, you know, your introduction to running, how you got started, how that all came together for you. Absolutely. Um, I'd say about 20 years ago, I met a boy and he had the most amazing eyes and the most crooked smile I have ever seen. And the first thing he asked me is if I was a runner. And I lied my ass off, and I told him I was. And uh, 20 years later, we're still running together. Now, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you're talking about Joe. I'm talking about Joe. He's, uh, he's a great runner. He's the one who inspired me. I basically just chasing him down a beach in Savannah, Georgia. But it was <laughs> worth it. It was worth the lie. I absolutely love it. A lot of good things happen with a little white lie <laughs> baked in there. It's nothing too <laughs> major, right? Yeah, I'm a runner. Of course I can run. I'm a runner. Yeah. yeah. I was actually looking forward to meeting Joe on this trip, but he couldn't yeah, make he's, it. Yeah, he's, it's upsetting that he couldn't be here, but he's with us in spirit. Yeah. yeah. So that was how you originally got pulled in. I yep. thought one of the things that might be interesting to share, because I think it's, it says a lot about your character as a person, is you know your son 
you know, mm -hmm. having autism and, and just how much stress that can put on a parent. Anyone that I know that is going through that as a parent, it just puts an enormous, you know, load on both parents and just in terms of the system and how broken it can be um, for parents navigating that. I thought it might be interesting for you to talk a little bit about that and how also running might help you, you know, deal with some of that stress as a parent. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Evan's such a great kid. Um, he has struggles. Um, we realized pretty early on that um, we were dealing with something, but we couldn't quite put our finger on it. Um, he was uh, eventually diagnosed with, um, you know, he has a lot of diagnosis, but um, initially diagnosed with autism. And we found out uh, last year he has uh, KBG syndrome, which is a very rare um, chromosomal abnormality, which causes his autistic, uh, like, symptoms. Uh, not very much is known about the um, syndrome, uh, so we can um, treat what he is going through, but um, that's about it. Um, it is very stressful. It's been, it's hard for our family because he's an incredible kid, incredibly smart, funny, just as Fun-loving as they come, he just has some particular challenges that um, most kids don't, and he just has to fight harder. But the stress level that comes with wanting to help your son, wanting to help your family, and finding that balance is rough. And uh, I've found my best stress management is running. So that's what we do. I just go uh, every morning, uh, wake up 4.30, grab a flashlight, go out, run, and I can start my day. See, that's a, it's a big part of your story. Yeah. Um, I think so many of us, we have routines and some of us run at night, some of us run in the afternoon, some of us run before work, but a lot of times it's just driven by, you know, our own personal, you know, feelings of when we like to go. Do we Absolutely. like to run before dawn? Do we like to run in the afternoon after we've woken up a little? Um, but people like yourself that are dealing with so much more on that side, it's just enormous respect. And uh, I know how frustrating that system can be to navigate um, in terms of just working with schools and, and trying to get things allocated for yourself. And we even talked about, you know, trying to get uh, a therapy dog or something like that, how the insurance companies are. And it, it can be maddeningly frustrating for me as a friend of yours, not even somebody going through it. And yet you deal with that uh, kind of stress load. And I think that's one of the things I want to bring to light, you know, talking to runners like yourself is just how important running is in someone's life. And I think it will tie so beautifully into your overall story with your health challenge that came up and that is long from being over, um, by the way, and we'll, we'll get into that, you know, pretty significantly, but without running, we are not the same people. I don't think my, um, it is, it, it, it's what helps me mentally. It's what helps me. And I think a lot of people, if they would give it a chance, um, because they never get over the physical aspect of, you know, I'm in pain, um, to get to that mental state of mind where it's actually helping them. So, you know, if I can convince one person to run one mile five days a week, I'll be a happy girl. I love it. I love it. And you've got a hell of a crew down there. Oh, I got we, the best crew ever. Affectionately um, known as the Clay Lube Tribe. Yep. Members, Craig, Sharice, Angela, Ruth, uh, Ken. Who else am I forgetting? That's uh, Molly, pretty... Jessica, 
Um, Emily, we've got quite a few people down there that we just, uh, you know, it, it's a lifestyle for us. And um, I've got to say that I've just got the, it chokes me up just thinking about them, but um, they're the best support group. They're, they've been with me through thick and thin. Yeah. Um, held my hand, hugged my neck, laughed, cried, told me to get off my ass. They're just the best. Oh, and George Mason. I don't want to forget about George. That's He's okay. amazing. Yeah. That's okay. And trust me, we're going we're gonna to come back to them okay. and the role that they played in, with your situation and your health crisis. Because um, I think one of the biggest things in life is as a caregiver, you know, that's the highest level I can give somebody. That's my mom. That's you. Um, people that really love their children, people that will just literally fight someone in the street or stand in traffic, you know, take a bullet. That's you. That's my mom. That's the people that I want to be around in my life. I want them in my circle. And when something happens to them, they're usually the worst ones to raise their hands. They're usually the last ones to ask for help. They're the ones who just figure, I got to be there for E. I got to take care of Joe. I've got to look after Angela and help her with her kids. And the reality is we don't raise our hands and say, I need a hand. Right. Um, so with your situation, let's use that as a jumping off point to get in um, with your health and what was going on. Because I know you only through the internet, only through social running groups, through, you know, support groups, you know, Boston Buddies Running Club um, and other running groups that are on the internet um, that are not as open to the rest of the world because why our friends and family don't want to see 5,000 more <laughs> running pictures posted. Um, half the comments I get from my non-running friends are just like slicing me up. Well, do I really need to see another picture of you in orange shorts? And the answer is yes. Although yesterday I did go red, white, and blue That's for Amer awesome. American Cancer Society in the pink. But let's get to, um, you know, how it all, you know, started with what you were feeling and, you know, just, you know, start to, we'll start from there. Okay. Um, last year we were, um, my friend Angela was uh, training for Boston. I was training for London. Uh, we were running, both of us running incredibly well. Um, went down in, uh, to Tampa and ran uh, Gasparilla and I w was not feeling well. Um, and I knew um, it, it it was hot, um, but I could just, I was off. I was not feeling well at all. Uh, a couple of days later, I was feeling super raspy, uh, and she made mention of it. She said, girl, we were on a run, and she heard me, and she said, you're not, you don't sound right. You know, I, you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, all right. And I had um, started, sorry, this is going to be super graphic, but I started okay. coughing up blood, and I was like, you know, she's probably right. I need to go, go see a doctor. I did, um, and because I don't go to the doctor very often, um, pretty healthy otherwise, um, they sent me home. They said, you're fine. A uh, few days later, I, I ended up in the emergency room. Uh, had uh, pneumonia uh, on my uh, left side and uh, down very close to my diaphragm. And uh, they kept me overnight for observation. And within that... Uh, 24 hour time, I uh, just, things just exploded. And I had um, went from a very small area of pneumonia to a very large pleural effusion, which is um, my entire left lung uh, was full of fluid. And it was uh, pushing my, my heart over into my right side, uh, cutting off my, uh, my trachea. 
And uh, from there, it developed into Empyema. Uh, and Empyema is a, an, a, a very severe infection of the lung, uh, which basically causes your lung to crumble like a paper bag, um, and it just encases it in a um, like an abscess. I'm sorry, I'm getting very graphic. But um, in that time, you know, the doctors were, um, they're like, you're fine, you're fine. They were gonna, actually going to send me home. So I had a friend uh, whose name I will not mention uh, came in and uh, he cracked some skulls and he said, you <laughs> go in there and you uh, get her an x-ray. Um, and they did. And that's when they realized that my left lung was 100% whited out and uh, it was an emergency situation. Uh, so they had to transfer me to, to another hospital and do an emergency chest tube uh, before they could even do surgery because I was uh, um, drowning. Was drowning, uh, dry, it's called dry drowning. Uh, so they inserted the the tube, which is one of the most hellish nightmares um, with uh, without pain medication, uh, just shoving a tube into your lung and... Uh, the next day I, I had surgery and uh, they removed, uh, of course, because, you know, go big or go home. You know, I didn't have a small abscess. I had a ton of abscesses throughout my whole lung. So uh, they removed it all and uh, put a secondary chest tube in my, uh, it, in me. So I had two, two good looking tubes uh, coming out of my side. Uh, and uh, I, I, refused. Um, I had another girlfriend that came in and um, she told me to get out of bed, um, get out of bed. And, and that very day that I had surgery, she was like, I had a, like a box that I had, she had, she carried that was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, it was gross, but she grabbed my box and she was like, get your ass up out of bed. And I made my first lap uh, through the ICU um, that day. And so I said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not going to do one lap, I'm going to do two. So I did. I did two laps, and um, I just haven't stopped. Um, my doctors told me not to, from here on out, not to expect much. Uh, they told me um, I should be dead, um, and um, I shouldn't be running. But um, I said, "Fuck it," you know. That's not who I am, and so uh, I just I'm here to prove them wrong. That's a lot to unpack. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I can don't, talk <laughs> talk for hours. Don't be sorry. <clears throat> it's just I want to make sure we get into that yeah. and, and dive into it kind of step by step. Um, love the tough love. Yeah, um, lots of tough love I, I got. That's what good yeah. friends are for. Yeah. Um, we all have a lot of people around us who tell us what we want to hear in life. And it's, it's the people like that. Um, and I know there's a reason why you can't say who helped. I know, I know who it is. And mm -hmm. um, so that's a, a situation for anybody that's in the healthcare business with HIPAA and everything. You all understand. I work in the fringe of healthcare. I work in healthcare technology. I'm not a medical professional at all, but I certainly know patient privacy laws and all. But this particular person, you know, is a doctor and was able to throw his weight around and, and really um, get in the ring and fight um, for, for KBD. And she needed that. Um, and we all need, you know, that kind of support when we're in a tough situation. And, um, you know, that's what we have good friends in our life for, because we need people to advocate for us. Um, when you're not a doctor and you don't understand what's happening and you're the husband there or the brother or the sister, 
it can be really confusing to navigate and you just don't know what to do and it's frustrating. Uh, and I clearly remember, you know, you texting me when you were in the ambulance changing hospitals. And I remember you talking about your, your x-ray being a whiteout. And I remember feeling like, oh my God, like this is so much worse. And the average person who's following along and, you know, trying to pay attention to, to what's happening, you know, they just hear the word pneumonia and they just grab onto that. Okay, KBD has pneumonia, Ron has pneumonia. Johnny has pneumonia. Okay, um, my sister recovered from that. My aunt recovered from that. My uncle recovered from that. She'll be okay. I think one of the maddening things for me or being around healthcare so much is we just have this inclination as humans to say, well, my brother-in-law just recovered from that and he's okay, or this person did. I don't think we ever mean it to come off the wrong way or affect or offend anyone, but it does. It hurts because they haven't really taken the time to find out what's actually happening to you. They're not really aware of what's going on. And they're just kind of coming in, you know, on the periphery saying, oh, she's all okay now. But in fact, you had two giant garden hoses, for lack of a better term, in your lung, mm -hmm. painful as fuck, yeah. okay? That's the only word that can describe it. And you're, you know, you're fighting for your life, yeah. okay? It's, it's a serious battle and one that you don't know how it's gonna turn out. You really just don't know. And I remember like daily getting updates from you when you were healthy enough, and then Ruth and Angela and Ken and Craig, and you know, the Clay Loop tribe, affectionately known, those amazing people who were doing so many other things for you, you know, with your kids and food and meals, and yeah. because we, we talked and we shared all this stuff. And I, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here to, to share it because man, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, without, and we talk about the running community all the time. We, it's a pretty magical place, but those kind of friends will drop anything for you. They'll do anything for you. They'll get on a plane. They'll, they'll offer support. They'll send something your way just to let you know that, you know, they're thinking about you. And I just remember I was writing like little reports on our website and just filling everybody in. And I felt like a reporter, you know, for the New York Times. And, you know, one day it was Ruth, one day it was Ken. Um, but every day, you know, those little updates were, they were magical. And we even started a hashtag, Miles for KBD. And I got to tell you, it was just, it was pretty special. Um, and it made me feel special that you were sharing with me and your little group, because at that point we hadn't even met. Um, and that, I just think it's important to share that stuff because in our running community, there's some pretty magical stuff that can go Absolutely. on if you're willing to be open and, you know, meet interesting people and, and, you know, put yourself out there and offer help to other people, you know, good things will come back. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, most of these, uh, you know, Angela and, and Craig, they were about to, honestly about to leave for Boston and they're first thought was not their race. Their first thought was me. And uh, they both came in every day into the hospital and uh, checked on me. And I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm contagious. And they said, you know what, we don't give a shit. Like, I, I know Craig. I was like, Craig, you can't come in here. You're about to run Boston. <laughs> He's like, nah, wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, Angela came in and, and Ruth, both of them, they came in and they, um, they washed my hair for me. Uh -huh. And that's, you can't, you can't understand how something like that affects you and how much, there's not a lot of people that would do that. And that's, that's the power of, of friendship, you know? And my husband, 
I mean, he came in and, and slept in his um, <laughs> in his suit uh, <laughs> in a chair just to make sure that I was yeah. okay. And, uh, you know, trying very hard to maintain a level of normalcy for my kids um, while his husband or while his wife is, you know, laying in the ICU. So it was um, just all around, you know, I, I cannot tell you just family and community. Uh, and it wasn't just like the running community. It was amazing how my neighbors and just just our entire town um, just came together in a way. And I feel, I honestly don't feel worthy of the amount of love and support that I received from from everyone. It was uh, very overwhelming and hard for me to wrap my head around the amount of love that um, not only myself but my family received. It's a, it's a, a very moving, very touching thing. You deserved all <laughs> oh, of it. thanks. And then some. Yeah. Um, the people in life that are caregivers, the ones who give so much back, not only to your own children, but to your good friends. You do all those same kind of wonderful things that they did for you in your time of need. And that's what, uh, that's the universe. Yeah. That's the way it should work. It's the way it should be. Um, and I remember Craig, you know, I was on a trip and going up to Boston and meeting everybody. And I remember being on the plane and you know, we were talking Ken and I had worked on creating a sign mm -hmm. for Boston, um, you know, in the KVD power zone. And, you know, he was working on it in PowerPoint and I'm on a vacation somewhere with my business colleagues. And, you know, we, we agree upon this PowerPoint and the design and I'm on a plane, like ordering mm -hmm. it from like a FedEx That's Kinko's awesome. in Boston. And I get off and we had a big shakeout run with, I don't know, 135, 150 awesome. people, something that uh, my good brother, John Hadcock hosted, who's a my Boston buddy up up there and kind of the mayor of Boston. I'm the mayor of Central Park, as we know. Uh, and, you know, we're over there doing the run and I'm like, oh my God, I got to go get the sign. And everyone's like, oh, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. That's and, awesome. Um, we went and got a little group of us together and we ran over, jogged over, ran a couple more miles, got that sign. And that sign became legendary, not just on race day. I mean, Peter Chacha, the Peter Chacha, the director of the New York City Marathon, the race director sees me like walking across the street, hey, Ron, Ron, he's yelling at me. And I'm like, hey, what's up, Peter? How's it going? And he's taking pictures of us with the sign and we That's told awesome. him the story. And you know, by the time we had walked from there to Boylston, I hadn't even got my race number yet. I hadn't even wow. gone into the expo to get my race number. And that was, uh, those, are, those are like really special memories. And I remember how many people later, you know, at Cheers, you know, talked about, you know, the kind of that feeling it gives you to go by. You know, we all see a power zone sign on a course. There's thousands of them. Little kids hold them. And you go over and you high five a kid and their face lights up, man, and they're glowing. Um, and you made their day. But this was personal to us. This was your sign. And it was really something special. Mile 24 will always be, uh, I thought about mile 24 yesterday. Um, running, so it was. Uh, I thought about. I thought about. Um, I thought about everybody a lot yesterday um, through this run. It was uh, a very, um, very powerful run yesterday, for more reasons than one. Yeah, so I think that might be a great jumping-off point um, to segue in. So let's talk a little bit about the health side of this thing before coming in, because we certainly know 
there's virtually no doctors out there that are going to be sitting there signing off on saying, yeah, go KBD, go start rocking some marathons. This is a great plan. You know, one of the things you talked to me about was into the lungs, it's all about elasticity. Mm -hmm. So with all that scar tissue and it being encased and all the fluid that's in there, you know, you lost basically 30% of your ability for your lungs to inflate and, you know, do what they need to do. Um, and that probably won't come back. It won't. It won't, right? No. Um, you might get some relief, but you're never going to get back to where you were at 100%. And there's uh, scar tissue that actually surrounds my lung, and there's a lot of scar tissue, and I don't know how. I guess a lot of the abscess was down by my diaphragm, but... Um, my lung is encased in scar tissue. Uh, so it's like a net. And so it's, it, I cannot take a deep breath. And if I take a deep enough breath, it's, I mean, to, to take a breath any day is, it's very painful just to sit here and take a breath. Um, it hurts and it's always going to hurt. You know, I just, it's my new normal and I just have to get used to it. Yeah. And that's, these are, these are the specifics. Um, yeah. you know, I always knew, you know, what a challenge that you'd gone through and I knew what a, what a hell, hellish situation it was, but this was a little bit of the detail that you actually shared yesterday. And I wanted to make sure that I was able to get that out there because yeah. somebody out there, I hope, I hope it won't just be us listening to this. <laughs> I hope there'll be many friends and uh, running community people that are going to dial this one up and save it for a long run because I have a feeling we've got a lot more ground to cover. <laughs> save it for your last New York City training run, your Philly training run, whatever, or who knows, we'll cut it into two parts if we have to. But there's a lot more good stuff here that we're going to get to. So um, the breathing difficulty, the pain, you know, not, you know, being normal, um, you just have to adjust to that. And it's really, really difficult. So now that this is your new normal, and you have to figure out like, how far can I push this? How far can I, can I take it? So before we get into the race, because we're gonna get into the race, and we're gonna talk about just how amazing that was yesterday, what you did coming off you know, your situation and how little time has actually passed. But I wanna talk about when you first got back out there mm -hmm. and you first started running, what was that like? Forget about talking about the Chicago Marathon yesterday, just in the beginning, what was it like for you? My, uh, uh, it's actually Ken's wife, um, her name is Jessica, she went on, uh, my first run, and I don't even want to call it a run. Uh, my, yeah, I was very adamant with my, and my, I'm sorry, my uh, voice goes in and out a lot uh, just because of the surgery. Um, she, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I was very adamant with my doctor that I wanted to, uh, to start back running. And, you know, he told me, and I'll never forget it. He said, don't expect much. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. I love him. Don't get me wrong. Love him, but you don't know me. Fuel for the fire. Yeah, you do not know me. So I said, kept asking, am I cleared to run? Am I cleared to run? Am I cleared to run? And he kept skirting around <laughs> it. And I'm like, am I cleared to run? He was like, you can try, but don't expect much. And I said, okay. So my girlfriend, Jessica, went out with me. And I ran a mile and a half. And I, we were like at 12 minute miles. And when I stopped, I just cried in her arms. It was one of the, um, one of the hardest things and one of the easiest, most natural things I'd ever done in my life. So we just sat, and I know we, I was in my neighborhood and I'm sure people were driving by and like, okay, <laughs> what are you guys doing over here? <laughs> but uh, I just didn't stop. And I talked to Nicole and um, she said, you take that 
take your um, Garmin, you know, the amount. And she said, print it out and put it on your wall. And I want you to see how far you've come. And I will never forget that, that she said that to me ever. And I did. I printed it out. And every day I look at that sign and um, I look at where, I, where I've come from. And it was hard. And I, um, Brenda Hodge, um, I um, asked her um, to coach me. And listen, <laughs> not a lot of people were willing to take this on. And I told her, you know, I just got out of the hospital a month ago. And she's like, oh, <laughs> okay. So she actually tailored a, a very specific plan for me that um, was a little bit more miles and no speed work because the doctor told me if I hyperventilate, my lung will collapse. So, um, you know, I had to deal with that. You know, if you can imagine being always thinking that if you hyperventilate, your lung is going to collapse on a run. And it's pretty, pretty fucking scary. Well, let's stop there for one sec because running is the big stress reliever. Yeah. That's what we use it for. Uh, not to mention the endorphins and the fun and sure. the community aspect, right? Being with our, our best peeps, whether it's a running club team or the Clay Loop tribe, wherever, in New York City, our Central Park crew, whatever it is. Those are, those are our moments to unwind. Mm -hmm. Run Chats with Ron 1C was born around the crazy conversations I have on runs with my friends right. from all over the world because it's just so much fun. And I was like, well, if I had a microphone on and we could record this stuff and just unedited, it would be a blast because right. that's when we're at our you know, purest moments, right? We just kind of let it all, we let our guards down. You know, we're out there on a run. We're just chatting about our husbands, our boyfriends, our children, our teachers that are in our worlds and our lives. But in your case, now that ability to unwind and to relax and to, you know, relieve stress is now, it's wound itself into a very different role for you because there's risk here. And again, people aren't going to look at that. I'll look at it because I know having gone through a, a pretty bad medical surgery in my own life, like how much that impacted me psychologically. There's trauma there. And I know how traumatic it can be because you wake up and you're like, did that happen to me? Like, mm -hmm. so for you, now you have to worry, like if I go too hard, my lung might collapse. Like I have to be careful. So that element is, is different. Always on guard. So you're on guard. So, and also you talked about your histamine levels being significantly higher, your heart rates being significantly higher. And as runners, we're gonna, many of us pay attention to heart rate, many of us don't. Some of us just run by pure feel, some of us use electronics and analytics and care about that stuff. But histamines, now we're, now we're getting complicated because the body really gets affected by these things. So what, it, what does that do to your body when those levels go up? My histamine levels are so high and, and as the doctor explained it, um, I, so I break out in hives. Um, every day. And I have to take medication to control it. Um, the only way that histamine can um, be released from your body is through the skin. So um, he said it's probably going to take over a year uh, for my body to get back to normal. So in the meantime, you know, my, my palms itch, my feet itch. If I just scratch, I break out in hives. Um, it, it's miserable. I mean, I it's a miserable condition, but again, it's my new normal. So it's just something that I have to deal with um, and just get through it. There are so many things that other people go through that I can never imagine. And so if I put what I'm dealing with into perspective, it's nothing, you know? 
So I have to think about that. And I do, I think about other people a lot and what they deal with and what they go with, go through on a daily basis. I guess not all that bad. You know, it's not all that bad for me. That's a, that's a wonderful perspective to take. Um, because in truth, you know, I ran for ACS yesterday and, you know, you're writing names of, you know, my, you know, my mom who's alive and with Mm -hmm. me, but honoring her because she's had breast cancer and had lymphoma for 25 plus years. Um, my son's affectionately known as Nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex-wife's mom who passed away years ago had cancer, who was just a wonderful uh, person in Ronnie's life and did so much for him. Um, so I thought that would be nice. And then, you know, our friends, our community, you mentioned Nicole Berucci before, because she's, she's just one of my people. She's one of your people. She's, she's super special. Her friend, Chris, she's been involved with this pan mass cycling challenge for over 10 years. And, and just, it's just, so involved in her life and what she does to raise funds and to be after, you know, beating cancer and just say fuck cancer because it it wrecks people's lives. It cuts people's lives short. And so her friend has come through cancer and had his battle and now it's back again and he's got a young family. So I had his name on there. And then Kaiza, who's another one of both of our people who we both absolutely adore. Um, She just lost her dad. Um, to cancer. So that made my own race special. And I wonder, you know, like we talk about that, you just reframed instead of looking at it from yourself, there's always someone out there. I mean, we're seeing people running out there with carbon plates on, we're seeing wheelchair racers, we're seeing people with no arms. I mean, people are doing remarkable things in the world and overcoming incredible challenges. And I just think I'm honored to have you here with me because this is the kind of story I want to share with people. Oh, sure. I'm going to talk to some elite runners and have a true running conversation with those kind of people because that's who we all look up to as runners. It's okay to fanboy and fangirl on elites and all that. And it's wonderful. But these kind of stories, the regular people that are out there raising a family and grinding and running and wanting to qualify for Boston or a world championship race, but still doing really hard things in their life and overcoming massive challenges, to me, they resonate. And I hope some of the people that are listening, if there's somebody out there that had a similar condition to you or is going to embark on some really dark road and feels like, oh my gosh, maybe they can unpack some lessons. Maybe they can lean on some people they, they wouldn't have thought of asking for help from, or maybe they can say, hey, if KBD did this, you know, maybe I can do it. I think everybody can do it. And I think it's one of my, uh, if there's a takeaway from this at all, I do hope that anybody who's suffering with any type of physical issue or even a mental issue, just do it. Just get out there and try. Because if you don't, we can wallow in our sadness and we can wallow in the fact that our bodies are broken, but it's not going to change anything. Go and try. You would be so surprised what you can achieve if you believe in yourself and push through. I, you know, I, I, I think I told you uh, David Goggins' book was shoved in my hand in um, the hospital, and I read it, and I absolutely fucking hate that man. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I hated him. I was like, this is this is bullshit, and I threw that book across the room when I was done with it. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that he made me look at myself. He made me see things from a different point of view. And he made me, even though I was at my worst and there was no fucking way I was going to try, Yeah, he made me say, 
you got to try. You got to do this. Yeah. There's no way that you're getting away with this, Kelly. There's no way. So I got up and carried my pus box, <laughs> picked up that fucking book, and started highlighting a bunch of stuff. And um, I've realized that even though I'm a 49-year-old lady, I can still be hard. I can still be tough and I can still be strong. And I might not be his kind of tough, but I'm my kind of tough. And that is, that's everything. And you have to be, you just got to be tough. You got to be tough for yourself. You got to be tough for the people in your life. I mean, it's hard when I see people give up, you know, and like, you don't have to give up. Yeah. You don't have to give up. Fight through the pain, fight through the struggle, fight through the mental because you are worth it. You yourself are not only worth it for you, but you're worth it for your family. You just got to do it. I, I mean, I love the Goggins thing because mm -hmm. I had given that book to so many people. Um, and it does. He forces you to re-examine. I think one of my favorite chapters is the lies we tell ourselves. Like mm -hmm. there's just many things that we put out there that just either aren't true or we think of ourselves in a certain manner, but it's not really accurate with how it lines up with maybe how we're actually living. Right. But I think more importantly, some of the really cool stuff is, you know, when the doctor who you said you love and obviously cares he's for you. Such a nice and guy. And he's yeah. a wonderful guy, but we, we all need fuel. We're all wired differently. Some people are just walking around super positive and they're happy and they're chippy on the outside. But deep down, you know, there's some dark shit going on in there. Other people are like, they want, they want the haters. They want to use that as fuel. Like somebody tells you you can't do something. Um, probably my favorite chapter in the whole book is taking souls. So to me, you know, yesterday would have been a chance to take some souls out there. Oh, you don't think I can do this? You think that I only had pneumonia? You don't know fucking shit about me. Yeah. Okay, you don't have any idea what I endured. Your friends know, your family knows, your people who give a shit about you know, but man, that's just complete badass warrior territory. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's some crazy stuff. So let's circle back because Goggins will be part of our conversation because for me, stay in the fight, favorite hashtag of all time, KFG. My friend in New Jersey started a company. It stands for keep fucking going or any other KFG letters. That's it can awesome. be keep fucking grinding. And then some people don't like the F word, but on this podcast we do. Um, so hopefully- that's okay with people if it's not, you know, whatever. You Just can, put a big fat E in front yeah, of this one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll definitely do that so we don't have to worry about censoring. But um, So mantras are important, um, not only in a marathon, but they're important for life because I've talked about how, like, stay in the fight for me personally. It's, it's really about your own life. Like, hey, marriage is a little rocky right now. Business is a little dicey, maybe anxiety or animosity with a partner in the business life. Um, whatever it might be, you know, trouble with one of your children or whomever it might be, people that you interact with, your friends, your family, your, your own siblings even. It's really embodies like, hey, you got to stay in it. And for me, running has always been the centerpiece of how I stay at my be best version of myself. And I know it is for you because for you, you could have said, I can't do this anymore. You could have listened and said, well, my lung might collapse 
well, I made it this far and I took Nicole Berucci's advice and I put it up on the refrigerator and I said, I'm proud, but you know, I'll do two laps around the ICU. We're more alike than you think because after my major surgery and I was told you know, I had to be on morphine and stuff, I just shut that shit off the minute my eyes were actually lucid and I could see someone. And, and yeah, I was like limping at crazy angles after you know, a nine hour surgical procedure because you just have that spirit. You want to show people that you're tough. I get it from my mom. I mean, she's 87 and is just, you know, the toughest person I know. She's a leprechaun. She's Irish. Her eyes, her eyes twinkle a little like yours. Like, where do you, where do you think you get your toughness from? Um, I think I got it from both my, I, I didn't, I never knew my mother. She was, she died when I was a baby. Um, but I know she was tough as nails and, my father, um, he died when I was a teenager, but um, just to kind of give you an idea of a, the kind of man, he was, uh, he worked on the oil rigs out in the, uh, out in the water, uh, offshore oil rigger, and it's one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, and uh, he worked seven days on, seven days off, and he was a hard motherfucker. Yeah. He was hard as nails, and, um, you know, he ate glass for dinner. That was just, <laughs> that was just him. So you grow up, um, you know, we grew up hard and we grew up um, in a tough environment um, and, you know, things like that, you have to adapt. You have to adapt to those things and not growing up with um, my mother was very hard, but it's made me who I am today. You know, I mean, I could, we could do a whole other podcast on that, but, you know, it's not, it's, but I, I think I got it from both of them. They're both, they were both um, in their own ways, um, very resilient and um, tough. Well, thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. And as, as my first guest, you have a right to come back on anytime. Okay. So we we can we could always book you for another <laughs> one, or you can co-host with me, That's whichever, awesome. whichever might be more fun. Okay. Um, so I thought, let's talk now about, you, you started some running, you're getting some mileage in, you're working little by little to get yourself back with your group. Where does the idea start to come that maybe... I could take something crazy on like running a marathon again after all you had been through. Like when, when did that idea start to kind of germinate? When did it come together? And I, I was signed up for Chicago already. You were? Okay. Yeah. Um, and there was no fucking way I was missing it. There was not, <laughs> uh, there wasn't a minute, there wasn't a minute that I didn't think that I wasn't going to run. So my girlfriend and running partner, she realized Angela. Her, yes, Angela. Yeah. Uh, she realized that there, she wasn't going to be able to talk me out. <laughs> so she signed up to run because she's fast as fuck. She signed up uh, with the charity um, after the fact so she could be here with me and uh, keep an eye on me. I, and that's, again, you know, just above and beyond, um, just always there. So um, I never once doubted that I would run, not once. Um, I think that I, I didn't know what the outcome would be, but I knew that I would drag my tired <laughs> ass across that finish line, collapse long and all if it happened. Um, there, was not, there was no stopping me. That's beautiful stuff. Yeah. So timeline-wise, from the hospital stay, all the complications – to yesterday, how much time are we talking about? I um, I got out of the hospital six months ago. Okay. Yeah. So six months. 
and incredible amount of work to a get to get yourself. I mean, back out there to be able to even do. Uh, you know, you're talking about running around the block, yeah. walking, taking breaks, not being able to breathe. You know, having all this stress to manage because you've told me that that's a big, big part it's of it as well. Yeah. And yesterday, well, we get in and we got to spend a little time, you know, meet at the expo. We actually met for the first time yep. for anyone listening, which is uh, pretty cool. So that was our first actual meetup. Yep. Uh, got to hang out at the expo a little, spend a little that's time. Awesome. Yeah. And we originally had talked about maybe doing the podcast like last night. Yeah. And I knew when you had originally thrown that out there, you know, that Angela come over and we would kind of like do it in my room or somewhere in the hotel. Um, you know, that might actually happen. It might not. But- I just, um, I figured, you know, you probably would be best served by just getting some rest after, mm -hmm. you know, taking this massive challenge on and just, just, you know, how much physical work it was going to be for you. And also to get to spend some time with Angela, I mean, mm -hmm. who makes a sacrifice for you um, to come out here and run the race with you and be together and, you know, and do that. So we switched it to this morning. Yep. So we're now recording morning after the marathon. And uh, let's, let's tell everybody about what went down yesterday, because it's some pretty epic shit. Um, I actually ran a PR, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> and um, Golf clap. Yeah, I qualified for Boston over 13 minutes. Um, I got a 13 minute buffer for, I actually came really fucking close to qualifying for New York. Um, I Everything went wrong yesterday and I decided to run by feel. Um, I couldn't get my watch to work. I couldn't get the uh, pace band to work. Um, I, everything was screwed up, so I just said, fuck it, and ran by fuel. And um, at mile 16, I passed the 345. I started with the 350 um, just because, you know, just, you know, trying to be a good girl. And um, I, I passed them. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I had a feeling in my heart, and I just went with it. And at mile 16, I passed the 345 pacers. And I was like, Ugh, fuck, I might be in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> but again, I was just running by feel. Oops. So, yeah. Um, at mile 25, I looked down and I'm like, I am pretty because I needed 338 to uh, qualify for New York. And I knew I was pretty close. And um, But there was, no, I just, there was no way I was going to make up three minutes. So I, I ran a 341.29, um, which... Yeah, for an old lady, it's not too shabby. With an old lady with a fucked up lung, it's not too shabby. So I mean, honestly, KVD, it's it's just it's completely and utterly insane. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, in our world and our running community world, it's going to be a story that's going to resonate for a fucking long time. And you know, I can't be prouder of you. And thank you so much. It's just it's remarkable. And I think it requires some you know some deeper inspection because. People just, things can just derail them so quickly. Um, we can get off the path so easily. We train for a marathon. We do our long runs. We work on our fueling. You know, we, we have all these things that are involved in what we call like a blueprint for a race. But the reality is, and I try to share this with people all the time, the marathon doesn't fucking care Okay, it doesn't care. The big buildings of Chicago don't care if your Garmin works in Florida or if it works in London or if it works in New York City because I got 29.2 miles on my Polar watch yesterday. Yep. So if you allow something like that 
to unravel your race, it will, and it will quickly because now what pace am I running? I don't know what's happening. Guess what? Somewhere out there, we all learned how to run at a pace. We all learned how to run at a level that we felt was comfortable. It's very tricky in the marathon. You're playing with Russian roulette. Go out too fast, you burn, it's over, you die. You might even be walking um, on the side of the road saying, oops, uh, there goes my race plan. And so when one thing like that can happen to you, that's really difficult. You know, now you start passing different pace groups. Now we're, now we're really into uncharted territory because there's a part of you there that's like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good, but if I go for it here, you know, I could really be risking it all. So, so talk about that as you're rolling up on some of these pace groups. Like what's going through your mind? You know, I've been through so much shit that <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's all, there's such a mental piece to, um, you know, running is, I think we're all born to run. I mean, it's just a natural thing. And if you put your body in a situation where you're used to running, then you're going to run. It's your head you have to convince. It's that mental game that you need to work on. And there are so many people that are like, ooh, I got a little, I got a little boo-boo. And then they got to <laughs> stop. Like, fuck that. I've got so many blisters on my feet. I've, you know, spitting up blood. You, you got to get past that. And if you yeah. don't get past your head, you will not succeed. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of it was like a blip on my radar to pass the 345s. Um, I was like, oh, okay. Because I knew I, I've been through a lot of shit, Ron. Yeah. I've been through a lot. And I don't let things hold me back. The minute you start letting yourself hold you back, you're going you're gonna to be held back. And that's it. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no other way to explain it. Get your head in the game. Get your mind right. If you, it's supposed to hurt. I mean, that's what. Now, I, I feel like there's probably a different level for me because you know I got to be. I'm like, is that a hurt like a hurt heart attack hurt or is that a hurt like my lungs gonna collapse hurt? Yeah. So I mean, there's a little, a couple more things that I have to think about. But I just, you know, I just ran, just really super old school. Just said fuck it and ran. And then I, I'm looking at a couple of my race pictures at the at the end. I was like, all right, I'm, I was putting in a putting in a putting in a show at the end. But um, I knew I kind of I, I kind of felt at the end that you know I just wanted to give it my all, and um, I did all right. Oh, you did, did all right. Way way past all right. Yeah, yeah. You you fucking knocked it out of the park. Oh, thanks. And uh, it's 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 fucking awe inspiring. Um, and I, again, I just hope. Um, you know, somebody out there listening who's going through a shitty, in a shitty space or they're battling something, doesn't matter what, cancer or anything, um, there's always hope. Always. You know, you gotta, you gotta stay in the moment. And I think that's one of the things that running, the great lessons that running teaches us in life, stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. hey, when you get a running plan from a great coach like Brenda Hodge and it's maybe 16 weeks or 12 weeks or 20 weeks, whatever it is. As humans, what do we want to do? We want to go to the last chapter of the story. We want to look at the last hard workouts. We want to look at the last long run. But the lesson in life is to stay in that day. It's to stay in that moment right where you are. It's to run the mile that you're in. There have been wonderful books written by many amazing runners that talk about just that. And I think from the mental side yesterday, 
How did you manage that yesterday? Because I think it's one of the most important things. Um, I just blocked everything else out. You know, I knew, I think going in, I knew that two things were going to happen. I was going to finish or I wasn't. Yep. And that's all that mattered. You know, anything else was just, and I gave myself permission to not finish. Beautiful. And I also gave myself permission to go for it. So when you took, I took the pressure off of myself and I was scared. I mean, yeah. I, I can't tell you that I didn't go in there. I called my girlfriend, Jessica, at like five o'clock in the morning. I was <laughs> crying and snot running down my nose. I was like, oh, I'm so scared. She's like, girl. So it was, um, but I walked to the, I walked into the corral and I was collected because I knew that there was no pressure. Um, I, I just took the pressure off. It's okay if I don't, even if I don't finish, I have succeeded because I'm here and um, not just here. And I saw a couple of people on the, I saw a couple of Boston buddies out on the, uh, out on the uh, course and I, I chit chatted with a few of them and, you know, they're like, well, what are you shooting for? And I was like, I, you know, I really, I just want to finish. Yeah. Super great people. And I'm really glad I got to see them. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Just 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 took took everything away took the pressure off yeah well it was a great a great strategy i think uh too many people out there just put so much enormous pressure on themselves um with their time goals and um expectations um i think what i've learned because i've been doing this for a really long time uh, one of my closest running friends gave me the nickname old as fuck which <laughs> will always be my favorite. And then one of my other good running friends who coincidentally hosts the podcast, Cloud 259, Greg Limo Stein, rolled up on me in the race yesterday. And we, uh, we knocked out a couple of miles yesterday. That's awesome. I mean, this, that's just, God bless how amazing my life is. You know, there I am just running along, you know, you know, God knows what I've got going through my head and I got a tap on the shoulder and, you know, and my buddy, uh, just rolls up on me and we get to spend some time together. That's awesome. Which is, which is beautiful thing, you know, a wonderful thing. So, you know, we, we live for, for those moments, uh, you know, to have, you know, some company for a few miles and Absolutely. whatever helps you, you know, like in your headspace is, uh, is definitely a good thing. Absolutely. So you're making your way through, you're, you're closing in and I saw your splits, uh, which are remarkable. And for anybody listening today, um, just bear with me and give me a little time because I'm kind of just learning how to get all this stuff together. I do have a website and I will post a little bio on Kelly and I'll post her splits up there on the race. It might take me a few days, but I promise I'll get it there because uh, it's important. I want you guys to see just how strong she was. I mean, I don't know that I've seen anybody close out a race with more, with more strength. And uh, we all talk about running negative splits. This was just a textbook negative split race you. where you just crushed the back end of that race. And, you know, I'm sure your coach Brenda is like remarkably proud of you. I know your friends and family are remarkably proud of you, but uh, there's no better way to run a race. Um, that's the greatest feeling in the world of empowerment, of like coming down that last whatever m amount you want to talk about, the last 10K, the last 5K of knowing like, holy shit, I got this thing. I got this. Yeah. And I didn't just finish, by the way. Um, I didn't just get here. I didn't just crawl across the line. But I qualified for Boston by how many minutes? Thir over 13. Over 13 minutes. 13 and a half. It's, it's crazy. Crazy. I mean, just remarkable. 
So for everybody out there that thinks like a goal's out of reach, or you know maybe I can't BQ, because there's a lot of people, I'll just take this moment. Uh, I think it's gonna be fun to do some rants on the show. One of my rants, if I read one more person complaining about the fucking Boston standards, <laughs> this shit, and it's five minutes, and there's too many charity runners, you know what? Grow a fucking set, yeah. okay? If you can't qualify for Boston, stop crying about it. Run for a charity. Absolutely. You wanna know why? Because it's a wonderful thing to do. Because we raise incredible amounts of money for an unbelievably needed causes. And it's one of my proudest runs I've ever had running for ACS. It's awesome. Doing honor for people in my life who've done so much for me and yep. thinking about those people in my run yesterday. So stop complaining. If you can't figure it out, hire a coach, train more, work on your diet or your strength or your nutrition. And if it's out of your wheelhouse and you can't do it, that's okay too. It's all right. Not everybody's going to qualify for the hardest race in the world. That's it. So just, you know, I think... Hopefully, you, your story will inspire some people to say, you know what, maybe I'm 20 minutes away, but maybe I can actually do that. Because guess what? You can. It can be done. You want to work hard enough? You can do it. Absolutely. Change your nutrition. Get a good coach. Change your routine. Find a good running group to change do workouts with. of thinking. Yeah. Mental. Mental it's is- Mental. All mental. Well, if Kipchoge didn't show us that. Absolutely. Um, and Bridget Koske didn't show us that yesterday, you know, smashing the woman's world record. Yeah, it's sure the training is important and the physical part, but really the mental piece is, is the biggest. Absolutely. So KBD, I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. Um, in awe of what you've done. Thank you so much. And I just can't wait for people to get a chance to listen to this. Um, before we roll out, is there anything else you want to chat about anything that you know you feel is important to share share with the people no I just I, I think the biggest if, if there's any takeaway from from my story please um, just believe in yourself um, don't give up and embrace your community and they're there they're there to help you and um, this is running isn't a solo sport you know there's a sense of togetherness and a sense of community that you can find out there. Uh, join a run club, get a coach, uh, just believe in yourself. And um, it's not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's not that hard. It's not that bad. And um, whatever is going on in your life, uh, it will pass. And if it doesn't pass, it was meant to be. Beautiful. Absolutely love it. So my last thing to you is I just want to say you're the scarfs that you got me for the show is one of the most thoughtful and amazing gifts ever. I already have probably 30 messages oh, on Facebook goodness, yeah. for people requesting them in three or four different colors. So your friend uh, back home who made these up for you for the Clay Loop tribe and for me, whoever that person is, I need to, to get real busy. Yeah. I need to, <laughs> okay. I need to, I need to get the order okay. pipeline going. Cause I just think that's such a wonderful touch on your part. Just yeah. the kind of thing that you would, do and it, it means so much to me um, to support what I'm doing and to be on the show with me. But I just think what a wonderful thing to give somebody who's on the show. Um, That's actually a really it's, good idea. It's, just a, yeah. it's, a, it's a neat thing. It's a, a nice touch. And I just wanted you to know that that was really special to me. Absolutely. Um, she actually ran uh, the 100th Boston Marathon with you, This uh, the girl who did these uh, 
bandanas. Oh my gosh! So. And we've now dated Ron. I'm all. I'm oh, like, I'm sorry. I'm like a hundred, everyone. So <laughs> hundred and six. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> oh, beautiful KVD. All right. It's been my pleasure to have you on the show. And Thank you. It's I, been a, a, an absolute honor to be here. Well, listen, safe travels home. Thank you. Enjoy this amazing victory. I mean, with your super close people back home, yeah. celebrate it. Uh, I'll get down to the Clay Loop Tribe. And awesome. We'll all get to hang together, and I'll finally get to meet Joe. And, um, you know, hugs to the kids. Safe travels. All right. Love you. Bye-bye, Ron. Take care. Wow. That past hour was so special. KBD, thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your incredible, inspiring story. I have no doubt that it will resonate. Can you imagine after a nine-day hospital ordeal, just six months after the fact, with 30% less elasticity in your lungs, dealing with higher levels of histamine and higher heart rates when you run, imagine not just showing up to finish, but having a goal of running a BQ, that you not only run a BQ, but you beat it by 14 minutes or near 14 minutes. I mean, that is some awe-inspiring, we-are-not-worthy type of stuff. And there really are no words. Just we bow down, KBD. So impressed. And I know what kind of effort you put in to get back out there. And just nothing but respect. Respect and love. So if you enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world to me if you could take a moment to go over to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast groove on. Take a moment, write a review, give it a rating. It will really help us get listeners, especially since this is our first episode. We could really use them. So again, it would be much appreciated if you're so inclined. I wanted to take a moment to do a couple of quick shout outs. One, the first is to Kaiser and Chris for all the work and effort you guys put in developing the podcast graphic, help with the webpage, creative ideas, and all the time and energy around that. It means the world to me that you guys took the time to give me a hand getting this thing off the ground. So thank you for that. I'll always remember it. And second, uh, Matt from the Rambling Runner podcast, I was on his show. I reached out to him. I was looking for someone to help with audio and podcast production. And he recommended Dave from InPost Media. And Dave has been absolutely fantastic helping get channels open for me and get the podcast off the ground. And he'll be handling all the editing for the show, sound bites, intros, outros, music, et cetera. And I'm super excited to have him to be part of the team, the team of two, <laughs> very small at this point. So that's all for me, peeps. Just wanted to say peace out and always remember to stay in the fight.